Hello, and again, I welcome you to the podcast. This is the voice of the prophet. This week's episode is entitled, Is Yours Still Empty? What I'm about to speak to you today, I have shared, ministered, preached, taught, wrote about, blogged on, and am still being ministered to from this week's scripture. As often as I've heard our Father's voice concerning this particular passage in the Bible, it always affects me greatly. So when the Holy Ghost brought me back into this chapter again last week, I felt the charge to speak this word another time. I must wonder if between the two attacks of COVID on me last year, the surgery that I had in April this year, along with other things occurring in my life right now, if possibly my energy and zeal to witness is not as strong as it once was. I always search myself first as the Lord spoke to the prophet Ezekiel, instructing him to eat the whole roll. He had to take it in before he could give it out. I must be sure that I'm not becoming lax in winning souls for the kingdom of God. I don't want to become lazy or complacent in the undertakings our Father has given us all. The very first time God ministered this passage of scripture to me, it literally shook me up. And even now, it continues to have the same strong impact on me each and every time I read it. I pray that will never change. The scripture that I'm referring to is from John 21. This was written after the resurrection of Christ with reference to the time that the disciples had gone back to fishing. Maybe it should read that they were trying to fish, but in actuality, they weren't catching anything. Perhaps that's because they were fishing for the wrong things. At this time, it would seem that the disciples were really in a quandary because not only were they not catching anything, but it was also a matter that when Jesus called to them, they didn't even recognize their savior. The fourth through the fifth verse reads, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. In other versions, that fifth verse asked the question, have you caught any fish or have you caught anything? But whatever version you read, the response is always the same. No, whether it was no, we don't have anything or no, not a thing, it all has the same meaning. Their nets were empty. There was absolutely nothing that they could show for their efforts. It was seen that it was the wrong bait for the wrong fish with no results. I don't believe that this passage is in the Bible just for us to hear a passing conversation between Jesus and his disciples about fishing. The question Jesus asked was a normal one for fishers. This is the exact same questions I ask the strangers I see each time my grandson and I go fishing. We're sure to see someone who's still fishing or perhaps leaving the spot that we're heading to. Fishers will always slow down for one another or either call out 
or signal one another with the question, did you catch anything? Are the fish biting? However, we all know that Jesus was referring to another type of fish, which in fact were not fish at all, but actually souls. He was asking the disciples if they had caught any souls to bring into the kingdom of God. He already knew the answer, and he also knew that something had happened that was stopping them from fulfilling the commands he had given them. I'm sure it's the same with many of us who would normally have no problem with witnessing to others and bringing them into the kingdom, but for some, just like the disciples, something has happened. There's been a disruption, a distraction, or some type of interference that has caused us to neglect our assigned duties. Shortly before this incident on the shore, in John 20, verses 21 through 23, it reads, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He told them specifically that they were being sent. He had spoken his peace upon them and told them what to do, but yet a short time later, they went back to fishing. There are some of us who feel that we could berate the disciples for their decision to do this. But what about us? What has stopped us from going forth as Jesus has instructed us? We have received the Holy Spirit and our task is clear, but there are always interferences, disruptions, and distractions. The disciples were grieving as many of us may still be grieving over certain losses, whether it's through the death of a loved one, a job loss, losing a home, or losing a loved one to drugs. The grief is real. They are those who are grieving over poor health, a failed marriage, or maybe it's finances. But Jesus didn't accept their grief as an excuse for not focusing on their given duties. Since they hadn't caught any fish, Jesus told them where to get some. The sixth verse reads, he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Just perhaps, we need to ask our Father, what side of the boat we should be fishing from or where should we cast our nets? And believe me, it's not just in church on a Sunday morning during the altar call. There are some who have become discouraged in seeking for souls and perhaps it's because no one is responding. Our nets are still empty. No one is accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through our witnessing. No one is receiving from you, from us, when we attempt to talk to them about Jesus. In that case, maybe, just maybe, we're casting on the wrong side of the boat. Just ask him, Lord, tell me, tell us where to cast the net. We can ask the Holy Ghost where the fertile ground is. Is it on our jobs? There are many who work in places where talking about Christ is absolutely forbidden, but even then, it's a question that must be asked. 
What about in school, in the grocery store, the doctor's office, or wherever you might be when the Holy Ghost gives us the unction to ask someone, do they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? For some, that in itself is a hurdle that many find hard to cross. I have met pastors, preachers, teachers, yes, even prophets and evangelists who do not know how to witness. They are those who feel too insecure or for some too important to ask someone one-on-one, -on -one, do they know Jesus as Lord and Savior? When I first received Jesus Christ into my life, I was out on the street corners with a bullhorn witnessing to the lost and praying for souls. Some years later, when I started Bible college, one of the criteria for graduation was to have done at least two years of street witnessing in the French quarters during Mardi Gras. Some of the young students found this to be one of the hardest tasks they had ever been assigned because they had never done it before. For me, it was normal the norm, because it was what I was always doing. Most of us as young Christians had this zeal and absolute excitement about winning the lost. However, as time went on, we started losing steam and began to slow down with our endeavors in soul winning. We've got to get it going again. There are too many things going on right now that are stopping people from receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are too many occurrences that are causing those that are saved to not only leave the church, but to abandon their very salvation. On Friday morning of last week, I had a dream. In the dream, it seemed as though I was graduating from a school. As the dream continued, I remember saying to one, to someone, this has been the happiest year of my life. In actuality, with the pain that I've been dealing with through this rotator cuff repair, it would certainly not be what I would call my happiest year. But then again, the year is not over yet. Nonetheless, it's as though there were two separate groups of students and it seemed as though I was the only female. Some of the young men with me towards the front of the class were also very happy and excited. But there were some toward the back of the class that I felt perhaps according to their body language that maybe they had failed and weren't among those who, were, who would be moving to the next level. I decided to go to them and witness to ask them if they knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As the conversation started, one of the young men said he had started as a young child going to a Catholic church, but he stopped believing because he felt that they were lying to him. I said, yes, I understand. It's like you were betrayed. In the dream, I knew I was saying this to him because it's the same way I have felt for these past years concerning the church and many Christian leaders who have taught me in the past. The other students seemed to agree with what I was speaking and immediately became interested in what else I was about to say. But it seemed that just as I had the opportunity to share and witness to them more about Christ there was an interruption, and of course I woke up. 
from the scripture that God gave me last Thursday and the dream on Friday, I knew what our Father wanted me to share with each of you today. We cannot allow anything to interfere with winning the loss. There are so many who have walked away because they do feel betrayed by the church and Christianity as a whole. But for those of us who are truly living the lives before Christ and our sisters and brothers here on earth, we can show that Jesus is not the betrayer. He was betrayed. With that fact being understood, it should help us to understand that he understands what we in the body of Christ are experiencing at experiencing in our hearts, minds, and spirits because of the actions of the leaders that we once trusted. Yet Jesus still continued doing what he was called to do, and that was to suffer, die, and rise again from the dead. He fulfilled his part of the covenant for us, and in spite of the betrayals that we've experienced, we should do the same. The seventh verse reads, then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Peter had taken his outer garment off, not only for comfort, but also that he could apply himself more easily to his new focus, fishing for real fish. But on hearing that it was Jesus who called out to them, he put his outer garment back on. Some of us are no longer covered as we should be. Just like Peter, we've removed our coverings and mantles in order to do what we feel more comfortable with. We've separated ourselves from the cloaks God has placed upon us so that we can attend to the secular lives that we've chosen. They are those who have separated themselves from the anointing and calling that God has placed upon them so that they can fit in with those whose approvals they seek rather than seeking the approval of God. Some have removed the coverings they've received from God in order to take on the covering of the men they desire to please here on earth. They're following the televangelists, false prophets, and leaders in the megachurches. They follow the politicians and others that God never called, anointed, or appointed in hopes of building their own reputations and the numbers of people who will follow them. They are the ones who would prefer the covering of man as opposed to the covering of God. As God spoke to me as a very young woman, when man puts you up, man can take you down. This is why there are still so many with their nets still empty. We remove certain of our outer garments so that we will not be easily identified as the men and women of God that we have been called to be. I'm not speaking of your covering as some would say your pastor or even a husband, but what cloak or mantle did God place upon you? I'm no longer in a church under a pastor, so some actually feel that I'm no longer under a covering. I beg to differ. I have never heard God say that I am no longer called, ordained, or anointed by him. 
I have not heard him say that I am no longer a prophet and no one has the right to make that statement or make that call except God himself. In fact, many years ago, as a young woman in ministry, I was very concerned about the fact that the pastor I was under would not ordain me. It was not until after I married did he see fit to do so. However, during the space of time when I was unmarried and not ordained, I remember our father saying to me, Beatrice, if man puts you up, then man can take you down. But if I, meaning God himself, put you up, then no man can touch you. I know who placed me where I am, and he hasn't removed me. Put your garments back around you where they belong and get back to what God has called you to do. For those that he has called as pastors, preachers, teachers, or prophets, get your mantle back in place. Put on your garments of praise and remove that spirit of heaviness from your mind and heart. Your anointing is not determined by how many people are in your church or how many are following you online, on Facebook, or on any other social media outlet. Your anointing and calling is determined by how much you obey our Father. David was king even when Saul, the first king, rejected and was trying to kill him. But God had anointed him, and it didn't matter what anyone else said because David remained king until the day he died. And so it is with each of us. Once God has ordained or placed us in a certain position or office, we will remain so until we die. Did you hear God say that you're no longer a preacher, a teacher, evangelist, prophet, or for that matter, no longer even saved? Unless you have made that decision to walk away for yourself, then God has not turned you away. You're still a woman of God. You're still a man of God. So get back to doing what God has called you to do. Go out and cast your nets for the souls that God has ordained for you to bring into the kingdom. Peter may have denied Christ, but Jesus did not deny or reject him. He never told him or any of the others that they were no longer disciples. I'm sure the enemy was doing that just fine by himself. I'm positive that he was telling Peter that he was no longer worthy enough or good enough to be a disciple, but Jesus let him know differently. Three times Jesus asked Peter, did he love him? And three times Peter responded, yes. Jesus instructed him twice to feed his sheep and then to feed his lambs. We must understand that we cannot enter into the kingdom with empty nets because we have sheep and lambs to feed. But we can't feed them until we catch them. There's so much more that our Father wants us to hear concerning this matter. So please pull up the podcast again next week for part two of Is Yours Still Empty? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. 
I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amieagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support and may God bless each and every one of you.